Dave, I haven't got an intelligent nickname for you, so you're just going to have to go with whatever I think of when we come to it. Okay. Yeah. Hello and welcome back to the In The Round Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is Donkey Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Will. Unreal. Hello, Mike. Hello, Will. Hello, viewers. You were right when you said you didn't have an intelligent nickname for him. <laughs> Donkey Dave. I, I couldn't think of what to call him. It's going to be double day, Donkey Dave. Um, and to his immediate left uh, on the computer screen, at least, is Sports Media's number one Joel into correspondent. It's Mr. Mike Breslin. Hello, everyone. Mike, let's get it out of the way early. How did Joel Linton get on this week? We haven't got a theme music for you, but we will invent something. Yeah, straight into it this week. Um, Joel Linton in from the off. Bruce is obviously feeling a bit better, which is nice to see. Um, away at United, so a tough task up there on his own, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah not, not one of his better performances, in fairness. Subbed after 55, which, to be honest, I thought was really harsh. Really harsh myself. He, um, I mean, he did look injured, Mike. He hurt his back pretty early doors. He's maybe, well. carrying, maybe from carrying the Newcastle team for so long. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that is an excellent point, actually. From the subs bench sometimes as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, well, I, I don't care if he was injured. He's better than the bloody Dwight Gale or whoever they brought on for him. Ryan Fraser. He's certainly better than Ryan Fraser. <laughs> I like how, I like how your argument is that. He's certainly better than Ryan Fraser. Proven good Premier League player rather than Dwight Gale. Who is... Well, I realise it was Nugent. Ryan Fraser who... It was hey, Fraser Dwight, who Dwight Gale gave us Chris Nambul, so let's have some respect. Okay. Um, I believe, Dave, you had a tweet to share with us about Joel Linton. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Harris's tweet of the week. <laughs> tweet segment. Yeah, another, another segment. It's not a stat. It's just a tweet that Really made me laugh. The theme music uh, for this is just going to be David Harris singing Freak of the Week, but instead of Freak, it's Tweet. Jesus <laughs> Christ. So Newcastle fan clearly fed up with watching Joel Linton. Is that as Joel... Wouldn't attack a six-yard box if it had his wife and kids hostage, and it, it really cracked me up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's people like that that Twitter need to be removing, to be honest. Thank you, Dave, for that uh, enlightening uh, Tweet of the Week, as always. Um... This week, we're going to be talking about um, West Ham. We're going to be trying our best not to make some very obvious jokes. And Dave has promised to not use the word gammon at all this episode, but we'll see if we keep into that promise. But um, it was Mr. Harris who wanted to bring up West Ham because he's uh, he's been chomping at the bit to talk about their success this season. But let's start with their um, their weekend performance first. They beat, um, they beat Tottenham Hotspur 2-1. Um, Mike's favourite team in the league, Tottenham Hotspur. Um, Dave, the game itself, what did you make of it? Yeah, I thought West Ham just set up really well. Um, yeah, I thought, thought to be honest, they are definitely the better of the two teams. Well organised, good in defence, uh, took their chances well going forward. Pretty much what we've associated with West Ham all of this season. Um, and uh, Declan Rice, yeah, shout out to him. Yes. Some huge defensive work. Yeah, just on Declan Rice, because he's, he's having a really good season. But, Mike, he's, some some of his defending in this match in particular was superb, wasn't it? Oh, my God. That one, that one. I think it was Kane's ball across. Oh, my God. 
There are things you love to see, and that is one of them. For anyone who didn't see it, what exactly did he do? Okay, so Kane fizzes it across the face of goal. The low fizzer. The low fizzer. Essentially, keeper's nowhere. Fabianski's out the game. The rest of the def- defence is out the game. It's, for, it's there for someone for a tap-in, probably Son at the far post. Mm. And, and Rice slides in and somehow hooks his leg around it to get it not just away from Son behind him, but also away from a very easy own goal that he could have scored. Mm. It was a brilliant bit of defending. I mean, that Rice in particular, I, just, I, I know I think Frank fell out with the board about Declan Rice at Chelsea. Yeah. But old Frankie Boy is right. This kid is fantastic. The, what you've got to understand, Mike, is allegedly the Chelsea board weren't upset that he wanted to sign Declan Rice because of Declan Rice, the footballer. They were upset that they were going to be bringing back a youth product for what, what it was, like 80 million. <laughs> That's West Ham Watson. It went really well at United, so, yeah. 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 It went really well. Pogba. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought to myself before we started this one, we're like, okay, we've got to try and annoy Mike less this week. And somehow he's taken Declan Rice and turned him into Pogba. but they could be two more I, different players. I, even I didn't see that one coming. Well, there it is, sports fans. Anyway, uh, yeah, Rice is fantastic. Worth 80 million. Go and buy him, Chelsea. Would you, I mean, would you like him at United to perhaps part the Pogba? Well, if I don't have to watch Scott McTominay anymore, that would be fantastic. Get him in there. I don't. I, I want to talk about West Ham, but I'm quickly just going on a tangent. Scott McTominay scores a few goals, and everyone's all of a sudden going, "Oh yeah, he's a good player." Don't Give it a start rest. Me on this. Yeah, Give it a rest. Not. It's not. Give it a rest. The man can't pass the football. Anyway, anyway, um, just quickly, Dave, this game, Jesse Lingard. For so long, a joke in a way. Like obviously, he's had a very tough time behind the scenes, and um, heart goes out to him. But he has—he's almost sort of become the butt of in jokes on the internet. Not scoring or an assist within a year. So at United, it wasn't—he was looking finished, but it scored again in this game. He's having quite a comeback season, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I obviously when Lingard went to West Ham. There was sort of this fear of is he actually still like decent? This could go horribly, and if if the move goes badly, sort of where does Jesse Lingard go from here? But at the same time, there's been so much pressure on Lingard whenever he's played for West, sorry for Man United in the last couple of seasons. I feel uh, that there always was also the other side of it that if he goes somewhere where he can just play with without really any pressure on his shoulders. He could still be a decent enough Premier League player. And I think this system, and obviously having worked with Moyes before, I think he's sort of in an environment where he can flourish um, and just go out and play his game without basically huge pressure on him, huge expectation. I think that's perfect for Lingard at this stage of his career. Mm-hmm. Mark, what do you make of this Lingard resurgence? <clears throat> well, yeah, as Dave said, it was a smart move, I think, for both. United, West Ham and Lingard. Um, the triple threat. The triple threat, <laughs> yes, I'm saying. West Ham and United. Going for the top four together. Come on. No, I, I meant more that it worked out for all parties. But yeah, OK. OK. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Lingard, four appearances, three goals. He's already there. Joint fourth top scorer <laughs> for the whole season. Uh, which, is quite, which is quite fun. 
so that yeah, so that's nice. Um, no, I'm I'm really pleased for him, as you rightly say. He became a bit of a joke at United, and I, to be fair, I'd be relatively happy if he didn't play for Man U ever again. But West Ham is a good spot for him. He fits in the system well. And one thing before when Moyes was at United in his brief year there, he really liked Lingard, and Lingard played pretty well under him. Uh, probably had one of the better seasons of his career. So if those two can link up again and Lingard can find something which he already appears to be finding, it seems like a good home for him. And I I wonder if this could end up being extended into a permanent deal maybe in the summer. I mean, if it continues like this, I'd imagine all three sides would be happy with making this permanent, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Would be smart. It's interesting with Lingard is that you, you mentioned David Moyes liked him, but Jose liked him too. And I think to a certain extent, Louis van Gaal liked him as well. So good managers, like good players, and perhaps it shows that everyone doesn't know what they're talking about when they're just bantering off a player because he likes Millie rocking. <laughs> Although, just just to let you know, Jesse Lingard, Millie rocking in the Emir- Emirates and knocking them out the cup is one of my all-time favourite pieces <laughs> of shit shithousery. So not so done by funny. Diego Costa. It's so funny. <laughs> so funny. I just, I just remember everybody being heated. Heated. But no, anyway. Anyway. Um, so, as you mentioned there, Mike, about the challenging for the top four, Dave, one of the reasons you wanted to talk about this is because, obviously, feels like an adept time to talk about West Ham as they moved back above Chelsea after Chelsea failed to, drop, failed to pick up points. So West Ham moved back into fourth after 25 games of the season. So no longer a blip, is it? Yeah, it's no longer where you're like, oh, they've had a good start. Uh, It's actually like they're actually just having a good season now. I think 25 games into the season, it's two-thirds of the way through. It's it's a good assessment of where teams really are. Um, And yeah, I mean, I feel whatever happens from here has been a great season for West Ham. Um, I I am shocked they're in this position. Um, I never envisaged them being top four. I, I always thought West Ham, even if they're at their best, are a team that can maybe hope to sneak sixth or depending on cut places, get into the Europa finishing seventh. Um, but here they are in fourth, and yeah, they keep they keep sticking to their plan each game and, and picking up points and showing that they're. Yeah, they they deserve to be there. Really, is is what they're proving. It feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been quite it's been quite impressive, Mike. I mean, I'm not going to ask you if you're surprised, but are you are you surprised? Because everyone, everyone's surprised, but yeah. every you sort of see we saw in Sheffield United that teams keep it up. Kept well, Sheffield United kept up their improbable run right up until the lockdown and then sort of lockdown football came back and then we saw Sheffield United go on a horrible run of form and they couldn't keep it up. Can you can you see something similar to happening to West Ham or do you think this they're more likely to not suffer the drop off that Sheffield United suffered? Yeah, it's funny it's funny you ask me that because I I literally just looked up the Premier League table twenty five match days in last year to see where uh-huh. Sheffield United were. So Sheffield United was sixth with thirty six points. Uh I can't remember exactly when we locked down, but it's probably a couple of games after this. Yeah, it was after 29 yeah. games. After 29. 29 games, so four more. 28 for a couple, 29. I think, 
I do think West Ham have a bit of a better chance. Obviously, there won't be a, a two and a half month. Well, we hope not anyway. A two and a half month break in between yeah. now and the end of the season. Um, they look like they could need. They look like they need it to be honest. West Ham or, or Sheffield? No, literally the entire league looks. Yeah, like the, the entire league. league it feels like. I think we yeah, should probably give them a break. We're going to go straight into the Euros and then back for another season. It's going to yeah. be great. Yeah, it's going to be great. Football won't be good for like five years. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah, to, sorry to burst the bubble, everyone. So many injuries, <laughs> but back on the original point, which I've totally swerved so far. I think West Ham do have a better chance of sticking around at least for a European spot, mate, I think top four is probably, I mean, you can be optimistic, but it's probably still a bit too far maybe for them. But I think they can certainly look at the five, six, seven-ish sort of zone as their target from here on out. Moyes himself said that he thinks they've got another couple of gears to go to. Bollocks! <laughs> I'm I mean, sorry. If I'm he's sorry. Right. But, I mean... <laughs> Right, we'll talk about the style later on, but it's not particularly... As teams figure them out and understand that they're a hard team to go play against, they're probably more likely to face more nil-nils than they are grinding out tuna wins, for example. Um, But Dave, as Mike says, maybe falling away, is the fact that West Ham, Spurs aside, because we still consider Spurs a top six side, despite some of their performances this season... um, isn't West Ham's sort of inability to beat some of the top teams probably going to be the thing that eventually costs them from finishing in the top four, do you reckon? Because they haven't got the greatest record against the big yeah, I'm I mean, yeah, when, when you're up there and suddenly you're in contention for those team spots, uh, games that you'd usually see as your biggest games of the season and a lot of those teams would treat top six almost as a free hit, you know, if you go and play okay, you might get a point. Uh, basically, just look to avoid a huge defeat um, so your morale doesn't suffer. West Ham now have to go into these games looking for a point. Really worst-case scenario, I would say. you want They'd be hoping to try and beat a couple of these teams because they're going to have to if they want to finish top four. Um, and, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how they approach that. I know they've got Man City this weekend, God knows what Moyes, what gears Moyes turns to. Um, maybe it's crocking the whole front three in the first 10 minutes. I'm not sure. I tell you what, he, he, he better hope that Man City are on the gear because that's the only way he's beaten them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, you wanted to say something? Yeah, talking about their record against the, the big six or whatever. They've still got City, United, Arsenal, Leicester, Chelsea to play. Chelsea's at home, so we can chalk that off for a West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so, so they're going to need to pick up, as, we, as we've been saying, they're going to need to pick up some points in those games and c- mm-hmm. continue their good record against the teams below them um, and keep winning those games. And then, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say fall into fifth, sixth, seventh, they'll necessarily fall away. They could, could carry on playing pretty well and end up about there and that would be obviously <laughs> yeah. a pretty good season well yeah um, but yeah it's maybe not the easiest running although I guess you'd expect that with about 13 games you'd, you'd expect about four or five yeah. pretty tough games to come yeah um so trying to quantify how good the season is for example um obviously they're drastically 
overperforming to be fourth in the table. That's not daft to say that. I think that's an indisputable fact. Um, but we, I don't know about the two of you. I'm seeing a lot of Moyes has taken them from 17th to 4th. Um, Moyes has taken them from 17th to 4th. Wow, what a drastic level of performance. And the question I want to ask you is, is it fair to say that? I mean, it is technically what happened, but is it fair to say that given that for so long we felt that West Ham were underperforming? So is it fair to say it's a massive overperformance or is it a small over, smaller overperformance? I'd, I'd personally say that given how they've performed in the last few seasons, you would have to say they are massively overperforming. But I do acknowledge the fact that when they signed players like Felipe Anderson, Yarmolenko, obviously they had Arnautovic, signed Hilaire for like 45 million. On paper, their squad was good enough to be far better than what it actually delivered out on the pitch. Um, so I'd, I'd say given yeah, where West Ham have been, you'd have to say they're massively overperforming. Well, I'd definitely side on the fact that it seems such an overachievement because they were underperforming for a, for a while too. They were 10th in the 18th, 19th season. So that's the season before last. They were 10th. Fair enough. It was more. It was more in recent years. I know Moyes saved them from relegation. Yeah, last uh, year. Yeah. But he was also there before, right? A couple of seasons before that. Moyes yeah, before they got Pellegrini. So, um. I mean, yeah, they did finish tenth, but they haven't really had any stability. That so, like that one season, they have sort of been lower table slash relegation scrapping most of their time back in the prem in this so, in this um time. Fourteenth, fifteenth season they finished twelfth. Okay. Fifteen sixteenth when they had Pio was seventh. Sixteen seventeenth they finished eleventh. Seventeen eighteenth they finished thirteenth. Eighteen nineteen they finished tenth. Last season they finished sixteenth. So we're talking about a mid-table side that's just bounced back from a really bad season. I think what makes it their overachievement seem even bigger is most of their big-name players have gone from the recent era. Like Philippe Anderson, when he came in, you thought he could be really, really good. Didn't deliver, he's gone. They lost Arnautovic to China and Arnautovic didn't handle that whole scenario very well. He was probably their talisman after Payet, I would say. Payet had similar where he basically forced himself out of the club. Yarmolenko coming in, whatever your opinion of him, it was a pretty big name, pretty big signing. And this team, obviously, Philippe Anderson's departed. Haller was being used and now he has departed. Yarmolenko's been a bit player. Obviously, there's no player out there really like a Payet or an Altovich. You could argue this is maybe the worst squad they've had compared to some of the other finishes they've had, yet somehow they're they're right up there. I think that's why it seems such an overachievement. Like Jared Bowen, for example, gone from a championship to the Prem. And, you know, Jared Bowen, he's a good player, but it's not Felipe Anderson or Arnautovic or Dimitri Payet. But he's starting every week and he wouldn't get near those teams. Okay, but is that fair? 
Is it fair to judge it? If the squad, if last year was such a drastic underperformance, oh, should we sort of judge, in terms of overperforming, should it not be judged against the fact that they've been consistently 10th? Because I, I just, I'm just interested in asking whether or not, because obviously fourth is a massive overachievement. Yeah, yeah. But the narrative of 17th, 16th to fourth, to me, feels a bit false. Mike, what do you think? I do, yeah, I, I tend to agree with that because, uh, well, they shouldn't have been 16th, really. They, they, yeah. just shouldn't, they shouldn't have been down there. No. Obviously, Moyes keeps them up, keeps the job. Now they're fourth. Um, I think it is worth taking a bit of context at the start of this season. Remember when they sold Dean Garner and Noble was raging and the whole club was in total turmoil <clears throat> at the start of the season. If we if if we can remember back that far, like August time, it seemed like it was going to seven thousand games of football since yeah. then. <laughs> it, it seemed it seemed like it was going to be another horrible season at, at West Ham. Yeah, where they were going to be down there Ooh. with with your Newcastles and your Burnley scrapping down there. Well, we tip them. To, we tip them to finish. We tip them to maybe go down. We said they'd just stay up. But if if I think if you had to go back and look at it, we were saying that they had a good squad and they had a decent manager, but we just did not have faith in the, them to not West Ham it. Yeah, I think that that has a lot to do with it. Is what, despite some of those finishes, which actually aren't as bad as I thought they were. No, <laughs> they were. Honest. I looked them up earlier. Yeah, to be honest, they're they're better than I expected. I think we just have this opinion of West Ham as they underperform whatever squad they've got. Hmm. So you expect, as we did, them to be down there. Now they're not. I I do think I, I've written it on our document. I know we were laughing about it before that they are one of the teams that has benefited most by not having fans in their ground at home. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that now because it's interesting you say that you feel like the the narrative is always around West Ham that they're underperforming, that there's turmoil. With the fans not being in the ground and not having all the... Because you know what happens at West Ham. You see it, you get disturbances in the fans. They'll boo, da they'll boo David Sullivan and Karen Brady and probably rightly so, but it does affect the quality on the pitch. So do you think that they are, like you said, the team that benefit the most? They may well be. They may well benefit the most in the league, yeah. To be honest, because mm -hmm. quite often, I mean, you essentially just said it yourself. There's the atmosphere at West Ham. They'll get behind the team, but there's always other other rifts going on, and there's yeah, with the owners, they're not necessarily happy with Moyes being back, whatever, whatever it might be. Which is fair enough. You can have your grievances, but it might not necessarily help the team, if that makes sense. Right, and they they've got the second best home record in the league this year. Yeah, behind Man City, I would put that obviously down to a lot down to the team and Moyes setting them up well, but also not having that atmosphere and wondering when something's going to go off in the ground or whatever must mm -hmm. must help the players just play their game and stick to whatever game plan it is. So, so Dave, I think. I think we could, we can probably all talk about this to some aspect. We've all seen elements of this. I mean, Mike's in the the protest against the Glazers. I remember, I remember the protest when they hired Rafa Benitez, which feels less <laughs> serious. Um, and when they sat radio, but I think in terms of the the person who's probably got the closest eye in the fans, absolutely despising the people in charge, is probably yourself, being a Blues fan. Do you feel? Have you felt? Do you feel like fan backlash can affect the on field product that much? Yeah, definitely. 
I'd I'd say yeah, if it seems like a um, toxic atmosphere. I think that definitely must rub off in the players, um, like because the fans are, especially if fans are there and they're frustrated, they're going to be on your back more. They like ultimately they're unhappy at the owners, but the players are the people that sometimes take the direct brunt of it. They get booed even if a result's not that bad. The fans are just irritated. They boo. Uh, yeah, I can't see that being a nice environment for players. And with West Ham. These owners have signed so many strikers. <laughs> Mike, I need your intro for start of the week. <laughs> we'll insert it, haven't we recorded it? Haven't oh, we? that's a good point. I have, but just for old time's sake. Oh, okay, one more time. We're going to celebrate. One more time. It's David's stat of the week. So, <laughs> Sullivan, Golden, Karen Brady took over in 2010, right? Do you know how many strikers they've signed in that time for West Ham? No, or, but I can... Is this I a guess? Tell you, it makes me feel old. 13? 49. What? They've signed what? 49 stri- They've signed 49 yeah. strikers. That might be <laughs> your best start of the week, yeah, actually. 49 what? strikers. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what to do with that information, but that is ridiculous. Yeah. So when the fans when the fans have no faith in West Ham, it's because their owners literally have not made many good signings in this whole tenure. Not really. Even like Payet and Arnautovic were great for a couple of seasons. But they still left. Uh, and on their own terms. <laughs> on their own terms. They've not made any signings of players that want to stick around, really. They still left. <laughs> Yeah, but they like when I say that, obviously players leave clubs, but they literally force themselves out of the club. And they were like top dog. So I think that shows you that yeah, there could be Yeah, if you're a top player of a team and you still want to leave, it doesn't exactly point to there being a great environment. Especially when Payet went back to France. It's not like he went to like Barcelona or Real Madrid and Arnautovic went to China. Mm-hmm. But I mean, is there not with West Ham? And of, I'm going to caveat what I'm about to say by telling you that fans fans should always want the best for their team. They should always aspire the best for their team. Absolutely, you should. Like I always say, this about Newcastle. Newcastle should aspire for way more. They should aspire to. They should aspire to be one of the biggest clubs in the UK. Now that's Spurs set, fans, not Spurs fans. <laughs> you should aspire not to be shit on the ground. Um, but that said, with West Ham, there's always a feeling of the West Ham way. There's always a feeling of there's always a feeling of we're we're a sleeping giant, a sleeping giant who's never won the first division, has a cup winners cup and has I think three FA Cups or something, and an Intertoto Cup. Like they're not a historically successful team, yet there always seems to be this this raging against everyone and that we're we're a great side and they just haven't been. So when you talk about top players leaving, Dave, it's so often because West Ham have felt like a stepping stone. True. I was just going to say as well with the toxic atmosphere, I think a lot of it comes from them choosing to leave Upton Park, move to the Olympic Stadium. Um, and obviously <laughs> one thing they all promised was having this bigger stadium they would basically become like a a European team. They haven't progressed, I think it's fair to say, on a whole, 
even if somehow this season they do finish top four, top six, whatever, this isn't, this is no credit to the owners, it feels like. Um, and yeah, I know a lot of West Ham fans were disappointed. Upton Park just got so much history with them, and then to basically be put in like a, a spineless ground that has no association to anything or anyone. Getting a good deal, basically. It a good uh, deal. A good deal. Yeah, but can you imagine how much... It's an outrageous deal. Can you imagine how much they'd have had to pay to actually build a stadium like that themselves, though, in London? Yeah, Dave, I'm saying... Of all places. Yeah, Dave, I'm saying a good deal as if to say it's more than a bloody good deal. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I thought you were saying they were paying, like, outrageous amounts of money. I I was going to say, like, it's... I think it's pretty good in the grand scheme for for where it is. But... so, Mike, um, in terms of how they've, in terms of the reasons for being where they are, um, we've talked a lot about this city. This city, God, I've telegraphed the point. We've talked a lot of this season about um, teams succeeding where they don't have to run a lot, they have to move. Like City, for example, you watch them and they've got such a fantastic range of passes and people look, they're so good at controlling possession that they, they seem to cruise through games where other teams who rely a bit more on the press, the press, and just a higher activity like Liverpool are struggling a bit. Is that and the weirdness of this season has it helped out David Moyes' West Ham? Do you think? Yeah, I'd say so. We, we were having a little look before the episode. Will wanted to know where they ranked in the pressing stats. So yeah. I'll, I'll, don't worry, Will. I'll give you credit for this point. No, I don't want the credit. I mean, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that me and you were looking at the stats and not our resident statistician over there, but there we are. <laughs> he, he hasn't joined the call yet. We'll go with that. He's too busy yeah. looking up the number of strikers they've signed, whereas me and Mike are trying to find out what the product is. Hey, it's a good stat. <laughs> it is a good stat. It start. was a good stat. Yeah, so um, the article that we were reading was uh, about passes per defensive action, essentially how much teams are pressing. West Ham were the lowest... Uh, I think since Moyes arrived in the, in the Prem, um, essentially going back to the the fact that they don't have to run as much because they're not trying to win the ball back high up the pitch. Um, they're just sitting in a low block, waiting for the other team to put, stick a cross in where Dawson, Diop, Ogbonna, etc. are just going to win the header, or they can nick it in the midfield. Obviously, you've got Rice and Suchek who are doing yeah. a sterling job in there. Energy. Um, and then that's when they go. Obviously, they're brought in Lingard. Antonio's a bit of a menace up there now that he's back from injury. But yeah, so I think the season helps them. The way Moyes has set them up in this season helps them. Yeah. Uh, and means that maybe longevity-wise, compared to Sheffield United, going back to that earlier question, yeah, they're more likely to stay the course. Not to say that they definitely will, but the way they play gives them more of a chance you would say yeah you would you would certainly um so i think it was evident at the weekend in the way they just controlled the space against spurs and just didn't really let them breathe but they weren't interested in having a look at what the spurs center house were doing but then again the spurs center house weren't interested in doing anything um (laughs) (laughs) that is how it is um but dave in a in a season as chaotic as this one there's got to be something to just being a solid team hasn't there 
getting you more than usual. Yeah, I think, yeah, as, as you say, teams aren't really able to do the same high pressing as before. If you have a system where basically you can get behind the ball and you can do your jobs and then launch your attacks, uh, I feel you're getting more reward for that than you would in, in any previous season. Um I also think it's just important for yourself if you it means your players are less likely to run themselves into the ground. Yeah. Um, which I think for West Ham in particular is important. They're not a massively pacey team, which I think is why Moy's system works so well for them. If they were to try and press, some of their players would, you know, they'd be in no man's land by the time the person they're pressing actually plays the ball because they're not getting to them. They're just too slow. Um, thoroughly interested watching Mark Noble play for Liverpool. <laughs> Imagine. Oh, <laughs> I think he'd be dead after 20 minutes. <laughs> but no, I, I definitely think there's there's a good point to be made that they are getting rewarded for basically being allowed to play this style of football, um, especially given most teams, the high-energy teams, are having to play in a way that they're not actually that... like. I'd say they're not used to it. They're not able to do their pressing. West Ham are sort of able to play how they probably would try and play normally. Mm. But they're getting much more reward because somehow they're getting more time on the ball when they do get the ball. Um, whereas usually they, they might be handed into a mistake. And I think that just helps them in the transition, especially yeah. uh, between defence and attack. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was interesting because I, I, I sort of had in my head before I started, doing, started looking up the stuff for this pod had in my head that the because points are down across the board the last two seasons but I had in my head after 25 match days I looked at it and I saw 43 points for West Ham that's nothing and then I went back and I looked at I looked at um the season before last six points now well 46 points yeah the season before last and the season before last one again and um it's about the same for about yeah. fifth, fifth sixth so yeah there there are a few points they're a few places better, but they are they are on pace to be that sort of unit out there. So it's not wild. The, the thing that's interesting for me with West Ham, and I think I think we've already seen it in this this idea of Sheffield United as bad as they've been this season. God, we're getting a kick in on this part. Um, as bad as they've been this season, like they've been on the wrong side of so many close games. And I think yeah. you look at West Ham. West Ham have sort of been the other way in some aspect they've they've got points out of games they shouldn't have got points out of and that is a credit to the manager but that is something perhaps to think about in terms of long-term success but what I what I wanted to ask ask you Brez is when David Moyes perhaps the reason why West Ham's wanted rid of him was again they were looking for ambition um because an intertoto cut buys your ambition um (laughs) 22 years 22 years ago okay um the (laughs) Um, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, <laughs> but they, that's why they got Pellegrini, and they were looking to play this more expansive style. And it was for many years. It felt like West Ham had success with a low block, fans getting the ground, complaining West Ham way, West Ham way, West Ham way. Sign all these players, finish finish sixteenth, playing attack in football. Someone comes back in, and it's a cycle. But we've said that Moyes' system works well for this season in particular, but. Assuming that next season or even the season after is is more of a normal season and football continues to trend the way we expect it to do, which is to be pressing, 
expansive style, um, lot of lot of offense, less focus on defending. Are you are you worried about perhaps this being just a like a one off season for them, or do you think it is something that you can carry on forward? Yes, yeah, I guess there's two sides to that. You, you, you'd imagine it would go back to kind of more the norm for West Ham. They'd, they'd slide down to 10th, 11th-ish. Yeah, their fans um, fight the uh, ground, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all, all that good stuff going on yeah, from yeah. Uh, June the 21st, everyone. So look forward to that. When do you um, think the first arrest will be at a football ground? <laughs> no, no, no. They're allowed 10,000. What is it? 10,000 from 17th of May. So, yeah, yeah. yeah 17th of May. Um, but yeah, I mean, you'd imagine they'll slide down a little bit. Some of the teams that are below them right now will be better again next year, more than likely. Um, a lot of teams are probably, well, well, we'll have to see how the transfer window pans out. You'd imagine West Ham aren't going to spend a huge amount. They'll probably look to kind of do what they did this summer. Some smart arrivals. Bowen was one. They've obviously brought in Ben Rama as well. Suchek and Kufal. Suchek and Kufal. Suchek and out. Bowen were uh, January last season. January, yeah. Last season, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, still, so they've been like the last year's worth or so. Yeah. So I'd imagine they'll add kind of similar to how they've been, because those sort of ones have worked. You can, you can find value in over there. And obviously you're going to, if you buy the top end championship players, um, and they work out like Bowen and Ben Rama hasn't quite panned out yet, but I'm sure he will. Did anyone see, by the way, against Spurs his disgusting piece of work down the left? Was it Sanchez? He sold for an absolute hot dog. Yeah, it was Darrington Sanchez. Was... Oh my god! If you haven't seen it, it must be on Twitter it, somewhere. It looks really nice, but it'd be impressive if he more impressive if he'd done it to an actual defender. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't many of those in that Spurs team, in fairness. No. Um, no. But yeah, I, mean, I guess the other side is, I've forgotten what I was going to say, but uh, yeah, they're really well organised. And if they if they do keep adding players like Suchet, Kufal, etc., uh, and Moyes can fit them into their system properly, they all know their roles. They'll have had a season at it and, and it's gone well this season. Yeah. Um, sometimes the outlier actually does better when everyone's trying to do the same thing. That was yeah. that was the point I was trying to make. Um, so you never know; it might actually be a better season than we think. But it's West Ham, so it'll be shite. In the words of Mike Breslin, when everyone else zigs, you zag. There you are. There you go. Um, it could work though. It could, it could work. work. Sean Dyche has been doing it for years. Yeah. <laughs> not not quite this level. <laughs> Well, they haven't finished in Europe, Europe yet. They haven't finished in Europe yet. Um, you did mention something there that I do quickly want to talk on, talk on, talk about. Um, the idea that um, you'd expect the other team, you'd expect the other teams to sort of come back with a vengeance, and it's worth noting that the current top four has got Leicester and West Ham in it. Now we're getting a bit more used to Leicester being up there because they're a smartly run team with an excellent coach. Um, however, West Ham we're not expecting it there. We've seen severe drop-offs from Tottenham. We've seen Arsenal are still building something there. We've seen the green shoots of recovery since Christmas. Chelsea have sort of, you've seen them start to perk up. Liverpool are obviously on a downward, down, downward, downward spiral. Um, and City are obviously as brilliant as before. But you would say that other than City and United, the rest of those 
top clubs you would expect in the in the top four are having less than great seasons. So the question I want to ask you is, as good as West Ham have been, have they have, have has their league position in a way been helped out by these other clubs being slightly poorer than they would slightly poorer than they should be given the respective quality of their squads and managers? Um I guess you can for an extent because like Liverpool are having a good season, there's no way they're not above West Ham. That that's just a given. Um, it's a weird one. I I think West Ham are where they are because they're playing well, and you have to credit them. But I also am very aware that, I mean, Arsenal and Tottenham haven't been great for a couple of years, but Chelsea and Liverpool, for example, yeah, they, they absolutely should be in that top four, really. Um. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd sort of like, I don't know, I'd just like to give credit to teams when they're doing well, especially if they're an underdog, I'll, I'll be honest. But yeah, I mean, Liverpool have had a torrid, torrid season. Um, everything's going wrong. The wind keeps blowing too much, cold feet, loads of injuries. Um, so their their season's in tatters, but there's no way they wouldn't finish above West Ham. I don't. I think in a normal season, this West Ham team would be sniffing around top six, not actually in fourth place. I think they'd be between sixth and eighth in a normal mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. But we're not in a normal season and they're fourth in the league. So that's what we should be assessing them for. They're fourth because they're the fourth best team in the league this year. Okay. I don't think, right. for what it's worth, I don't think, right. I don't care what the table says, they're not the fourth best team in the league this year. Don't care. Do not they're, care. They have the fourth most, most points. As it yeah. Stands. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give well, you that. Yeah, but... I'll give you that. I don't, I don't think they're the fourth best team in the league. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> okay. Just meant that they're... But they, they've got enough points that they has them fourth right now. And that's, that's all you can say. Yeah, other teams are underperforming. Obviously, we know this. But as it stands... They're fourth because they've got enough points to be fourth. Yeah, I think it's. I just think it's inter- It's interesting in terms of because it's going to be interesting after this because already you're seeing a lot of and we'll, we'll ah feck it, let's do it now. Right, you're already seeing a lot of revisionism both about about David Moyes. So I just think it's it is worth quantifying how good West Ham are actually doing and how well they've they've actually been because. A lot of people are saying, saying almost like a comeback tour for David Moyes. Oh, look at him! Be look at him! Look at him succeeding! Look at him doing this that we've not really seen since Everton. And I just think it's, it's just a bit. It's just, it just feels a bit disingenuous in to say that look, he's taken them from sixteenth to fourth. It's a monumental managerial job. Well, obviously he's coached them particularly well, but. Do you think it is as much of a redemption as it's it's sort of been painted in the press, Mike? Not necessarily sixteenth to fourth as a that's his redemption, but I think a lot of what he's what he's done with this team does help I guess put his stock back to where to closer to where it was when he got the Man U job, for example. Um yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's tough to say that it's a redemption tour because 
they're currently fourth. I mean, Southampton were top of the league before Christmas, and Spurs have been top of the league. So I mean, nine different clubs have been top of the league. Okay, yeah, there you go. So that, I mean, that's crazy. So we we are talking about a weird season where West Ham are fourth, mm-hmm. but we're also talking about a season where Moyes has coached them well and West Ham are fourth, and they've yeah. added quite nicely under his watch. So I think a lot of credit should go to to Moyes. He's won more more games, more than half his games this year in the league, which is impressive yeah. for the West Ham manager. But as you were saying in the chat yesterday, it's worth putting into a bit of context that there are other teams not performing to what you'd expect. And West Ham, as we were saying beforehand, probably a top 10-ish squad. Yeah. Yeah. So... So in that sense, if he if he finishes maybe top seven, eight this year, and then can repeat a top ten finish next year, then we'll be looking at Moyes' back because yeah. he can repeat it. You've got to repeat it. That's the, I think that's that's the main thing I'd say is that you, yeah. it's, it's 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 all fine doing it once, but if you if you can do it over and over again with you're going to spend less than some of these other teams, like I said before, and you finish in and around them. Great podcast. Thank you. Uh, then, yeah, that's when you start talk about Moises redeemed some of his failings at other teams, I would say. Yeah. Because his stock will be back where it, it used to be. Because it, it is interesting that I think I think it was always David Moyes got tarred a bit with the same brush with of um, Tony Pulis, Mark Hughes, Sam Allardyce, um, Adam Pardew, you know Pardew. that. Yeah. What um what do we call them? What was people calling them? the Brexit bunch? I believe who just come in, <laughs> come in, and they go to the same five clubs and they just rotate. And David Moyes has perhaps unfairly been put in there, but I do think it's interesting that a lot of people are saying. I did. I saw. I saw a narrative starting to form just around that. Oh, David Moyes. Perhaps he didn't get enough time at United. Perhaps he. Perhaps he didn't get. He should have got other jobs other than this. And I just think it's it's worth remembering that in that intervening gap between he left Everton to this season. He's not really had a successful year as a manager. No, and that—that's why I say that he needs to follow it up with some yeah. with another. You, you can't get, have what is it five or six years of of pretty poor stuff yeah. and then have yeah, one yeah, Mendy, year. Yeah, Mendy, yeah, Mendy. And, and then have one good year and suddenly you're back to where you were. That's. I mean, yeah, we have a lot of short termism, especially in football. We're guilty of it. Everyone is, especially but, on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think, yeah, follow it up, David. I think you can. Mm-hmm. Follow it up. Mm-hmm. Then we'll talk about other jobs. Other jobs. Other jobs. Just quickly, I, I want to ask a question, Mike. David Moyes at United, failure for you? That was pretty awful, wasn't it? Okay. Okay, because <laughs> okay, it, really it wasn't good. I mean, I will say that. Fergie's probably best achievement was winning the league the year before with that squad. The squad was a pile of fucking turd, but... I'm not going to argue with you, but... But you've got to do a bit better, haven't you, really? Yeah. What was it, sixth or something? Seventh. I'm just... in I'm, Even I'm, worse. I'm just what? interested because I, I think a lot of people are starting to say, look back and look at David Moyes football now wasn't good either. With rose-tinted yeah. glasses, and I'm just like, come on, lads. No, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm all for giving managers time, and maybe, maybe it was a touch too soon. But I don't, I don't see how it would have got any better, to be honest. In which case, you've got to change, haven't you? Also, yeah, he 
he lost the dressing room, hadn't he? So yeah. Well, well, I, if if you're ever interested, keeping him longer have achieved probably uh, a, an even worse outcome at the end. I, I think Patrice Evra, thoroughly detestable character. Yeah. Uh, in every manner, but if you ever want to read the story of a, a bloke losing the dressing room, go and read about him and David Moyes at the breakfast buffet. Not good, not good at all. But also, my favourite thing about David Moyes is him, him walking into United dressing room, going, "I'm going to make, I help you guys to run more." <laughs> like the first week, I'm like, "Oh, you've you've not understood this squad." <laughs> yeah, you you couldn't give him another. They didn't want to give him another transfer window, did they? So you had to yeah. act when yeah. I can't. You, you kind of had to go when he when he went, unfortunately. But yeah. it is what it is, I guess. No, but is uh, the very very last point I want to ask? I want you to go to Mr. David Harris. Mm-hmm. Is David Moyes' success after coming back to the club after he was sacked for style reasons? Do you feel vindicated? Because this is what you're always saying. You're always saying that sacking a manager for style reasons never actually is particularly the right decision. Do you feel vindicated with David Moyes? You mean Moyes at West Ham? Yeah. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because. They hired Pellegrini afterwards, who's, a, a, I'd say, a far better manager. Well, he's uh, won the Premier League, so yeah, he is. Well, and he was, what, Real Madrid as well, Pellegrini, for a season? Yeah, yeah. Um, did pretty well with Malaga as well. I'd say a higher calibre than Moyes. Um, he didn't work out, and West Ham found themselves in a place where they needed a manager who could come in and do a, a short-term job. Moyes had previously done that. Don't remember there being much of a manager market at the time. And West Ham, the last couple of years, have seemed to be struggling for money. So I don't think they wanted to throw loads of money at a manager to buy him out of a contract and look for long-term aim. They were thinking short-term. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that Moyes did enough to earn their trust to stay on this year would, f- even in some aspects, feel like some vindication for him that they trust him. But the fact that he's performed this well would seem so. But then I do also side with Mike that what? so what if they finish fourth or fifth or whatever this season? What if next year they're somehow scrapping down there again? Um, If he can follow this up with another top 10 finish or, you know, like 11th, 12th and, and make sure that they're actually cemented as being like an okay team again, then yeah, maybe... Not maybe, I'd say, yeah, you can feel vindicated. But at the moment, I think it's too early to say one season's one season. It's looking more at the Wolves model, which is continual seventh place finishes as you build something. Yeah, if, I mean, if, he, was able to, if he was able to build something that has a bit of, bit of legs to it two or three years down the line, then yeah, absolutely. But you never know with football, it could go horribly wrong next year. Yeah, well, the you're out, you're out by Christmas then. Yeah, and the, yeah. the fans the fans will be back in the ground, won't they, Dave? Yeah, screaming yeah. at whatever striker they have. I don't know, yeah. don't know who that will Who's be. going to be the lucky number fifty, Dave? Who knows? I can tell you who it will be. He's probably playing for in the uh, Turkish league right now. Yeah, somewhere Denver. like that it'll be, won't it? I can see Denver doing a job for them. He might fire them to a title. Um. Okay then. Well, that'll do us for this week. Thanks for joining us, for viewers, for a chat about um, West Ham. Now, I promise you, uh, 
We'll go from Tottenham to West Ham. I promise you next week we'll actually give you a decent club to talk to listen to. Um, not just two teams who've got the combined history of a Roman fort. <laughs> yeah. I don't even have that history. Of the Romans, really. Well. Don't have that history, do they? No. Um, but in the meantime, Mike, if the people want to follow you to find out more about J9, as the streets are calling it. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, where can they follow you? Uh, yeah, I might rename my Twitter. We'll see. But at the moment, it's at Mikey Breslin yeah. uh, on Twitter. Yeah. Or soon to be at Joel Linton Stan number nine. <laughs> Not sure you see probably too many characters there. Dave, if the people want to follow you to find out more about how hard it was for you to not say gammons on this episode. Um, <laughs> at Dave Harris underscore 44 uh, with some gammon recipes coming out next week. And if you want to follow me, you can follow me at Wehunt17. But please, don't, please instead follow us on all the socials at In and Around Pod, including LinkedIn. We're there now. <laughs> we're, we're not there. And if you want to read the latest thoughts of us all, you can go to inandaroundmedia.com to do that. Um, Mike, how's the betting pod going? League two. That's yep. what a load of shite. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, actually, my my game in League Two was postponed. Which oh, convenient. Well, it's, <laughs> it's really unfortunate actually because. I landed all my other three selections, so it could have been a, a four for four. Like, I, I don't want you to give away the, the betting pod, but how did Harry Hodgson get on? <laughs> uh, it wasn't it wasn't quite as good a week for Hodgson, unfortunately. No. But no, no. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll leave it there, and uh, if you listen on Friday, you can find out how he how he got on. Viewers, I'm I'm not actually at work this week, and it's currently a Monday. But what I did do was I got up. I got up a bit earlier than I would normally on a day off, probably about half nine, and I had a coffee. I opened the paper, found all the scores, and then turned on the betting podcast, and I was <laughs> howling at him. Oh god, I couldn't laugh anymore. I was like, this guy, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> it's a good pick, is it, buddy? Is it? Um. Anyway, anyway. The betting pod is on this feed on a Friday, so get it where you can. And of interest to anyone, you'll be hearing this on the day, if you listen to it straight away. But if not, it will have already passed. We're doing a live watch-along of Atletico Madrid-Chelsea, which, having agreed to that, we're not regretting it. <laughs> um, if you want to join us there, you can uh, get us where, Mike? Where are we speaking? Uh twitch.tv slash in and around pod for that on all the socials including twitch come on twitch yeah actually yeah should have mentioned that really we should have done well we have the podcast is still recording now we have that's the benefit benefit of editing your own audio Mike there you are (laughs) but anyway if you want to hear me um, shout abuse at J5 please uh, twitch.tv slash in and around pod yeah there we go Mike's nodding that must be right yeah (laughs) I think it is anyway. If not, it'll be on our Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At In and Around Pod. Um, okay, that'll do us for this week. Um, until next week. Um, I don't know. Sayonara. Sayonara. It's a Keshi's Castle. I like it. It's a Keshi's Castle. Dearie me.